yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. You bet your ass, baby. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, Podcast. with host A. Trunk. What's up, everybody? It's Eddie Trunk, and this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast, news-making interviews with the biggest names in rock and metal, coming to you with new episodes each and every Thursday. Be sure to subscribe so you do not miss one, and thank you for subscribing and downloading and all that good stuff. Remember, everything you hear as far as interviews and guests on the Eddie Trunk Podcast all originated on my SiriusXM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation and heard live Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 Eastern Time, on Faction Talk, Sirius XM Channel 103, nightly re-airs on 103 at midnight Eastern, 9 Pacific, full shows, audio, video, more, anytime on the Sirius XM app. So even if you can't listen in the live window, you can listen to the show each and every day at your convenience by pulling it up on demand on the app. A lot of ways to connect. We bring you news at the top of every show in the world of rock, and all sorts of great guests and different debates and all that sort of good stuff. And hey, if you're in the U.S. or Canada and you do not have SiriusXM, so that's why you're not listening, we're going to make it easy for you to at least sample it. For three months, you can get Trunk Nation and SiriusXM totally free. No credit card required. Listen on a SiriusXM radio, or if you don't have one of those, just listen on the app, on your phones, whatever the case may be. If you want that three-month free trial, go to SiriusXM.com slash Eddie Trunk. All your information will be, all the information to do so will be there. And again, uh, no credit card required. So all you got to do is go sign up. You'll get three months free. Come on board and join me for the Daily Trunk Nation show. Again, SiriusXM.com slash Eddie Trunk for three free months, app or over the air to sample the full show and hear Trunk Nation five days a week. If you only listen to the podcast, you're only getting the tiniest, tiniest taste. Uh, Social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page for all sorts of info and updates. I am going to, if by the time you've heard this, I haven't already, I'm going to very, very soon be announcing a 40th anniversary event for my 40 years in broadcasting. It's going to happen in December. It's going to happen in Vegas. It's going to be big. And I hope you can be there. Keep a close eye on socials. And maybe even as soon as next week, this podcast for more information. And another reason to listen to the radio show every day, because that's where the news will break first. So make sure you uh, get on out there and join me in December. All details will be coming, and it should be a great, great celebration. So keep an eye open for that. And again, socials, Twitter or X, Instagram and Facebook page, all simply at my name. Finally, if you are in New Jersey this coming weekend, I will be at the Meadowlands Expo Center for the Inked Out Tattoo event. 
Music Friday, Music Saturday that I'll be hosting. Saturday night, the featured performers include Sebastian Bach, Tammy Down, and Phil Lewis of LA Guns. Stephen Piercy of Rat also scheduled to appear. Hope to see you guys there this coming Friday and Saturday night for the Inked Out Tattoo Expo at the Meadowlands Expo Center. Also coming up October 13th, I'll be in Tulsa hosting a show with John Karabi. And looking forward to that. That'll be at the Graffiti Lounge. And also, if you're going to Power Trip, I'll be doing a Trunk Nation radio special from backstage. That will air on Trunk Nation on the Daily Radio Show shortly after Power Trip. So uh, keep an ear out for that as well. Another reason to come on board with me on Sirius XM. And lastly, be sure to check out my new YouTube show with my former That Metal Show partners, Don Jameson, Jim Florentine. It's called That Rocks. It is totally free, and there are about 15 episodes available now on YouTube. Just punch in That Rocks in search, and you will see them come up. All right, so today, tonight, whatever you're listening, our guest is Kevin Cronin, lead singer of REO Speedwagon. Man, I used to go see REO as a kid in high school all the time. Always loved the band. Uh, Kevin, over the years, has become a friend fantastic guy and uh he is uh, somebody i always enjoy talking with the interview you're about to hear took place about a month six weeks ago roughly and it was done in the los angeles studios of sirius xm kevin actually came in and joined me in studio in la if you are on a sirius xm listener you can see this entire interview now on the app on video and we spent a good hour talking about REO's history, their catalog, what they're doing now, and the future. So, our guest this week on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, Kevin Cronin of REO Speedwagon. Enjoy. Good to see you, bud. Good to see you, Eddie. And just so your listeners know, this is not really me speaking live. <laughs> this has all been pre-recorded. Your AI. I, I'm, I'm, you know, man, I was listening on the way down in the car and- I'm so with you, man. I it's can't like, take it. And, and, and I love how passionate you are about it. But it Somebody's got to be. I know. Because it's it's it, it, like somebody just called in. It's like the story is somebody threw a drink, not the fact that there's vocal coming right. out. Like, what's <laughs> just, I, And when I see, you know, uh, uh, since you were listening and bringing this this up, which is a huge issue for me. Um, and again, for clarity, just for people to know, because I always get misrepresented on this. I get if you got a little keyboard part or something and you don't want to carry a keyboard player. I get, that's not what we're talking about. But somebody, I don't know if it was you or somebody on the REO crew when I saw you guys a few weeks ago, told me about your regimen as a lead singer at this point in your career, you're in your 70s, right? And what you do and how you prepare to be able to go out there and sing whatever it is a 90-minute set. The work you put in. As a guy who has pride in his craft and does it real and does it well still at this point in your life, share with the audience what you do before you take the stage, what, what's involved for you to be able to sing live. Well, I can tell you that, uh, yeah, I, 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 know, I know my voice and I know that I've been doing this a long time and I've got a, a vocal coach and, um, who's amazing, a guy named uh, Jeffrey Allen, and I... I've got a, you know, about 
at least two or three times a week. I do a Zoom session with Jeffrey and we run through vocal warm-ups. If there's a part of a song that's, that's uh, you know, there are certain parts of certain songs that make me crazy, like every lead singer has those songs that just for whatever reason, you know, are, are challenging. We work it through. And, uh, and I can tell you that having put it, I'm going on three years working with Jeffrey and Eddie. I'm having more fun singing than I ever have because I finally kind of know what I'm doing. But I'll tell you this in, cause I was thinking about this when I was listening in early March of 2020, before we, you know, there was a, a kind of a hint of this, this virus that was coming across. So we were playing in, uh, in Charleston, South Carolina, and I woke up in the morning sick as a dog. And, and I, I couldn't even make a sound, much less sing. And we had a show. And I'm like, and normally, you know, you know well, I power through. But this night, we, we opened, played our first song. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, oh, God, I got, I got to, I, I got to do 90 minutes. I couldn't, I couldn't make a sound, barely. So my thing is, I just told the audience, listen, you know, something, I, I, I got a bug. I, some, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you all I got. And I just, you know, it was basically Bob Dylan versions of, of the Ario <laughs> Speedwagon catalog with all due respect to Bob. But I, I just, so I did the best I could. And you know what? I, and I, and I, after the show, I said, said to the audience, Hey, listen, I know I, I know I didn't give it, give you what you came here for, but anybody who wants, a, to, who wants an autograph, I'm going to sit at the front of the stage after the show. And, and I told our tour manager about it. He got a, a stack of pictures a mile high. And I sat there for probably 45 minutes that, you know, I didn't realize that 2000 people were going to all want an autograph, but, but I did it because, and you know, I think, and those people, I got, we got more positive response on the, on the REO Facebook page, whatever, because people knew that that I gave it all I got. And, and, and I could have easily, I, I suppose if we had, you know, uh, lip sync tracks, I could have gone out there and smiled. Sure. And, but to me, I, I, I mean, I can't, I just can't do it. And, and, and most, I, I don't know of, of, uh, I mean, I'm sure there are rock bands that, that do it, but no, nobody I know. I mean, you know, we, we did a, a big tour last year with Sticks and Loverboy, and it was, it oh, was, yeah. it was a bunch of guys, you know, singing live, playing live and, and, uh, you know, let the chips fall where they may, you know, if I miss a note once in a while, what a live I'm show a freaking is. human being. Exactly right. And I think the, I think people would rather see you make, what, what's weird, people, you know, the things that I think are like the worst part of a show, I'll get feedback going, that was so awesome when you, yes. it's like, because it's human people, exactly. right? Exactly. That's the whole point of, and look, I can only speak from a fan perspective because that's all I am. I'm not a musician. I'm not a singer. But apparently I can be one if it doesn't take any talent <laughs> to sing true. to a track, right? That's Which true. is a scary thing. <laughs> but that's just it. I mean, in the pop world, the ship has sailed. It's just like there's this acceptance for it. In rock, you know, maybe more of the um, classic guys, the, the guys who have been around a long time like yourself and Sticks and others, 
they, they, there is a purity about it. They, I know. I mean, I've talked to Tommy about it. He prides himself, and Tommy's remarkable how he can still. Oh sing. my God! And Lawrence, who's in the band now, remarkable yeah. how he. So those, those guys, there's like still, you know, they get it. You know, it's still about that. But I can tell you, Kevin, from a fan perspective, uh, when there's a a mess up or something's a little off or somebody's off mic when they're running to a mic or something. That's the live, ex that's the right. whole jolt of like, this is live without a net. This is what it's about. This is what I'm paying for or going for. This is the whole experience, you know? And, and the variable of like, I mean, hell, the first time I saw REO Speedwagon, it was probably, I was in high school. It was probably 81 or something. And like, that energy, like, uh, and then I would go back then as a kid. I mean, I had way more energy myself, so I'd go to like three shows in in you know. I'd, if I'm from New Jersey, I'd go to New Jersey, New York, Philly. I'd hit three shows, right. you know, and every one would be a little different. Right, and we'd say to the friends like, "Yeah, the, he was really good tonight." Oh, yeah, here here when he like messed up, like you know. <laughs> right. But that's the whole point. Right. right. right? Like, hey, there's a part of of our show where uh, we played the song "Tough Guys" from the High Fidelity record, and it starts out Dave and Bruce and I walk right up to the lip of the stage and we kind of play the intro because there's that spanking organic yeah. thing, right? So I'm in the middle. I'm sandwiched between our bass player, Bruce, been with Bruce Hall forever. Right. Dave Amato been with us 34 years. He's he's the new guy. And and I got to get, so we play this intro and I got to get back to, somehow back to my vocal mic in time to start singing and those guys mess with me and they like, <laughs> they like sandwich Run. me in and you know, and then and, and then I got to like run back to the mic and they're laughing you know, they think it's great and and you know, uh, you can't do that if the, if the vocals can't and, and to me man, you know it's, w w is it you know, we all want to sound great every night, you know, and so, but that's just, th that's not human. That's, no, uh, that, and that's not what, as a rock, that's as a fan, that's, you want to see the real deal. You want to hear how the band does live and warts and all, as they say. You know, I'm curious, I want to go back to something you said a second ago, though, because you said um, there are songs that give you fits or parts of songs that you fit, give you fits that you still have to play. Now, by my estimation, REO Speedwagon, with the catalog you guys have, which is vast, you probably have, give or take, probably about seven, eight songs that have to be in the show every night, right? Yes. So of those seven or eight songs, whether it's Don't Let Them Go or Keep On Loving You or whatever it may be, um, Roll With The Changes, Riding The Storm Out, what 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 give me the songs that you're oh that you're you kevin croner saying oh shit here it comes i'm gonna have to do the best i can like where are the parts what are the lines what are the moments give them to me well i'll tell you this when i, I when i wrote the, the the b section i i wrote the verses for uh can't fight this feeling back in like 1975 right and i wrote a number of bad choruses th through the years that didn't live up to the promise of the verse right so you know, literally 10 years later, uh, you know, long story, I was supposed to, I finally said, you know, I, we need the, we need a, a song to kind of follow Keep On Loving You. We needed this power ballad. And, and these verses for this song that didn't have a title yet were, were, were sitting there. And I'm like, if I could just finish this song, right? Anyway, so I, I, was, I, I agreed to do a co-writing session which is I'm not my strong point, but my, my manager, Tom Consolo is a lifelong friend of Eric Carmen from the raspberries. So Who I love uh, raspberries were my first ever 
favorite band. Really? As like ten at ten years old, I'm a psycho Raspberry fan. Okay. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So 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 Eric was such. I, I'd never met him, but Tom Tom and he you know knew each other. Eric was supposed to show up at my house. I woke up that morning in a cold sweat. I thought I had the flu. I thought I was sick. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm such a loser. I gotta cancel this session with Eric Carmen, and. And then it kind of hit me. I'm like, wait a minute. And wait, can we swear? Yes. So, so I, I literally sitting on the floor of my bedroom and I go, what the fuck? I yelled, what the fuck is this song about? You know? And, and then it dawned on me that I had never actually asked myself this question. Right. So I go in, I get my lyric notebook and there it is. The first part of me, the first line of the song, I can't fight this feeling any longer. I'm like, oh, that's the part you didn't have. No, I had the first line, but, okay. but it never occurred to me that that's what the song was about. It wasn't about the girl. It was about me. It was about my inability to express myself in any other way than beating on a guitar and singing. I didn't know how to be real to to, to get the guts to go up and talk to this girl that I had a crush on. Right? Anyway, so I, I go downstairs, I sit at the piano. The, that B section and chorus came in. 20 minutes it was done you know and but when i wrote when i wrote the the, the thing uh you know even as i wander i'm keeping you inside you're a candle in the window on a cold dark winter's night and i'm getting closer than night <laughs> I, I, i'm not part. i'm not in the right key right now right. i don't think because that <laughs> and i and eddie when i wrote it i swear to god i thought how in the world, am I going to sing this song live every night? And to to this day, you know that's that's the line. And and I got a pretty good batting average on it nowadays. <laughs> but every night, you know, I, I you know my my guitar tech comes out. I give him the guitar, and you know, and, and it's like, all right, we got this. I'm like, yeah, we got this. You know, so and that's one that's got to be there every night, Eddie. The, the, those songs, you know, that, that group of songs, if we don't do them, there's an angry mob around the tour bus after the concert, you know? But I, I, I've talked to singers about that before because when they go, like younger guys, right? Like, um, like I'm a huge fan of uh, the band Rival Sons, right? Oh. And their singer, Jay Buchanan, is extraordinary. Stupid good. They, he, yes. he used to open for us back in the day as a solo artist. And I, I, cause if, I, I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with his acoustic stuff. No. Because Rival Sons. But I know, it's a, I know he has another solo oh, thing. Oh, my God. It was your manager. Your, actually, Tom, Tommy. who used to manage them, and turned me on to them. Right. And uh, I love the band. I'm going to see him next week in Vegas, and I saw him. But, but I think about like listening to Jay, who is, I don't know, Jay's, I think, in his 40s now or whatever. But I listen to some of the things he does on this rec- these records, and I'm like, if he's lucky enough to have a career like REO, 30, 40, 50 years, do you wonder when you go into the studio and cut these vocals, I'm like, shit, am I painting myself into a corner here? Because if this song becomes a hit, like I can't fight this feeling or keep on loving you, it, you got to do it every night. Right. And see, you got to find a way to do it every night. See, I was smart. I I, I kept the bar really low for myself when I was younger. And <laughs> It so... didn't sound like that, though, Kevin. You'd never know that from the records, you know? I mean, it, 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 and it's funny what gives singers fits because – I once asked Rob Halford, and I don't know how well you know Judas Priest's music, but there's Judas Priest has a very famous song called Victim of Changes, and there's this part in it where's this this massive scream at the end where he's like, victim! He's like so high and just screams. 
And I, and they got to do the song every night. And I said to Rob, I go, man, like you just got to have that in the back of your mind that that part is coming the whole set and <laughs> the whole audience is waiting for it. And here you are at 70 something having to do it. And he told me something I'll never forget. He said, you know, that part of the song is not the challenge for me. There's a breakdown in the song where he speak, he sings in a lower voice, which sounds nothing like him. He said, that's the part. Right. The scream, he goes, ah, that's is what it is. He goes, but the breakdown is where I worry. So us as fans wouldn't necessarily know what uh, you as a singer, you know, where the, the, the rough patches are. Sure. You know, which, well, you know, we're, 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 uh, uh, doing our first Vegas residency, you know, something that we've, you know, it's kind of a cool idea at this point. And, but the deal is when the residency show has to be a completely different show than the show that you're doing on the road. Right. So, so we decided to do something we've never done, which is play the high infidelity album all the way through in sequence. And then it's, you know, I think the thing is called uh, an evening of high infidelity and more. So, I want, I'm thinking, well, what, what else can we do that we don't normally do? Well, there's another song called In My Dreams, which is, you know, top 10 on, on the REO fan playlist thing. But it's, it's just, I've never really been able to, to, to nail it live. And so we, we never play it. And I'm like, this is, this is the opportunity to do it. And sometimes it's not the range of the song. Sometimes it's just when you're in the studio, you can punch in on stuff, you right. know, but when you play it live, then there's, there, there's the breathing parts of it. It's like, well, you know, when you're punching in, you can, you, 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 you can breathe whenever you want to, but if you're singing it live with that song, it's all about the breathing. And that's something that, as we, you know, later this afternoon, I'm going to be on, on a Zoom with, uh, with Jeffrey and we're, we're working on that song because I'm determined to, to nail this thing when we, when we do it live in, in Vegas. So see, I, I still get off on, on the challenge, challenge of, sure. of doing something live and, and, you know, Hey, I mean, I, you know, I'm one of the, you know, the, the, the ranks of, you know, lead singers who actually sang on the records that of the songs that they're playing live right that's the, those ranks are dwindling and and so i feel like it's funny tommy shaw and i laugh sometimes about that that we're going to be the last two classic rockers standing you know i'm i'm going to be the betty white of rock and roll when we when when betty white uh you know hosted saturday night live at 91 or something you yeah know? but that's but that's a great point kevin because you're right we know there's a ton of, uh, of of bands that are from your era that have no original members or maybe one, if at all. And even even Sticks, as much as I love him, I mean, Dennis not being there, he was the other voice of that band. And as great as Lawrence Gowan is, it's not, you know, there's a different guy there. You look at Foreigner. Kelly Hansen does an amazing job, but it's not Lou. Lou, not Lou. And, he, and he's been gone for forever. <laughs> right. Uh, Lou hasn't been there for a long time, but it's not Lou. And Lou was one of the greats, in my opinion. So right. you're right. There's a lot of that out there, and you're the guy... I was talking about this earlier, though. For people, people that don't know, you, you, how many REO albums were there without you before you joined? Was it one or two? Yeah, there, there was one. One. Yeah. The very first record. The very first record. Yeah. And then you came in on album number two. I came in on REO TWO. Yep. And were you familiar with the band? How did that actually go down? Did, were you? What were you doing prior to that? Well, I was. Uh, I was in a band in Chicago 
where I wasn't even the lead singer. It was a kind of kind of more like a uh, Buffalo Springfield type band where there were different singers, a lot of harmonies, a lot of jangle. I, I, I played a Rickenbacker 12 string. I didn't even play six string guitar before I before I joined REO. Are you, before you continue, are you one of those guys, because I find this a lot with lead singers, are you one of those guys that was more a guitar guy that stumbled into singing and being a front guy and your passion was really guitar or no? Yeah, I started off playing guitar and being kind of a, a just a harmony singer, and uh, and actually, yeah, my the first band I joined, I was just the rhythm guitar player, and then I kind of tried singing, and it started to kind of work. And but when when uh, when I joined REO, you know, coming from kind of a folk, you know, I was more in the folk scene in Chicago, and and you know, I went and you know, it was a this secret meeting that Gary Richrath and I had because they were looking at the second album and you know, the, the old adage, you have your whole life to write your first album right. and a year to write your second album. Gary realized that, that, uh, that he needed, I think he needed some help in the songwriting department. So I had started this, uh, this, uh, it, it, to call it a company would be a, a huge exaggeration, but it, it was the, I called it the musician's referral service in Chicago. And we needed a couple of guys for our band. And I figured, well, I'll put some flyers around town, uh, call it the musician's referral service. And if people, you know, I'll take the cream of the crop for my band, but I'll also provide a service of finding bands for people, people, you know, I was going to be kind of an agent, I guess, to, to try to find people. Well, one day I get a phone and we got phone calls and you can imagine the, you know, and it was, it became, uh, an unsustainable, uh, thing because anybody can call every, every singer was the next, you know, Robert Plant, every guitar player was the next Jeff Beck. It was, it just wasn't, it wasn't feasible, but I get this call from this guy and he's like, well, I'm in, I, I got, I, I'm in a band. We, we our first album came out, did pretty well. We're on Epic Records. We're getting ready to do our second album, and we're looking for someone who can sing, play rhythm guitar, and write songs. And I'm like, well, let me see. Let me look at our at our vast roster of, of <laughs> artists here. You know, I think I've got the guy for you. And, and he's like, oh, I I said, but what's the name of the band? He goes. I can't tell you. So so I'm like, all right. And this so, is Gary calling, Gary Richrath. This is Richrath, right? right? So then the next day he comes up to my apartment, which the world headquarters of the Musicians Referral Service, and I'm like, you know, this this could really be ugly here, you know? And, and when he finds out that, that the guy who told told him about this guy who was the perfect guy for his band is me. Is the guy, know? all right. So, but... Uh, but I played Music Man for him, a song I'd just written, and uh, uh, and the rest is kind of, you know, rock and roll history, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, we lost Gary. He passed away I, a few years ago, right? Yeah, seven years ago. Seven years ago. Yeah. Okay, it's been a while that long already. I think that Gary is, a, um, in a lot of ways, a tremendously underrated guitar player. When Eddie, I, I mean, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. I mean, and I want you to elaborate yeah. on this. But I, again, I saw long before I knew you personally. I saw your band. Uh, you know, I, a friend of mine in high school was super into your band, and he he got me into Nine Lives and You Can't Tune a Piano, and I got into all those records. And we used to. He was a couple years older, so we had a license. So we would drive to the shows, and we'd go see you guys. And I used to be, I mean, blown away by the whole band, but Gary um, and his tone and his playing, and even like. When you listen to, uh, and what I'm assuming is Ario's biggest song, Keep On Loving You, it, just the 
the, the guitar break in that alone, it just says so much, the tone, the feel. He doesn't get brought up in these conversations of great players. And I don't know why that is, but obviously you feel similar that, that he should get way more accolades for what he's done. I mean, how he's not in the conversation of the great rock guitarists of all time, it, it, it boggles my mind. The only thing I can think of is that, you know, Ario's a Midwest band. You know, we're, we're all from Illinois and we, and that's where we made it, made our name. And, you know, the major uh, media markets are on the coasts, you know, so we kind of get, you know, we're a flyover band in, in, in a lot of people's minds. And, but, yeah, anyone, and you can uh, attest to this. Anyone who saw Ario in the in certainly any time between seventy one and eighty five. I mean, Richrath. I mean, there, there. I wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for Richrath. He he was the guy who uh, who who got the Epic Records signed Ario Speedwagon. You know, they were a great band. They they were a powerhouse rhythm section. But Gary, man, he, the way, the way he, his finger vibrato is just, I, I've never heard another one better. And he, just the way he, he became one with the instrument. I mean, he, he danced with those Les Pauls and he, he caressed them and he spun them. And he, he, I mean, he would walk out every night for about, 12 minutes, no vocal mic, no nothing, just a, a, a Les Paul, a, a, a coil cord plugged directly into a Marshall, and he would hold an audience, an arena full of people, 18, 20,000 people, spellbound, without saying a word. He would just play this this solo guitar thing that, that he did, and that he just kind of came up with, and you know, we'd all go backstage and, you know, chill out and Gary's up there and the audience is watching him and I mean he he definitely deserves to be in the conversation and and uh you know was he a virtuoso you know was he a you know was he an Ingve Melmstein or, a, no, or, or no, Eddie Van Halen not. you know those guys are a, a different thing yes but Gary had the like you say the tone the feel the the passion you know when with his solos and and I will say that Gary and I worked really closely together my, you know my songs needed the power and the uh, of ario speedwagon and ario speedwagon needed the 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 song sense that that i brought to the band but well th- and that's exactly why i'm i'm singling out a song like keep on loving you because that is i mean many feel it's one of the first or earliest power ballads but the, he brings the power it's a beautiful melody the vocals great everything's great about the song you wrote the song but when those power chords come in da-na, i mean as a kid as a rock fan that was just like this is the best of all worlds it's just a beautiful melody it's an amazing song we've talked in the past about how people have used the song for weddings and stuff not really listening to the <laughs> right, lyrics right. that you wrote but there's that and then just the the guitar solo i mean it just jumps right out and it's like you know it's still keeps Ario firmly rooted in rock territory, even though it crossed over a million different ways. Dude, you don't understand. When I wrote, I wrote that song in the middle of the night, I wrote the verses and I didn't have a chorus, came into SIR, sat down at the piano, and I'm just playing the verses over and over again, waiting for the chorus to show itself. And at some point, I, I, I fell into this simple uh, melodic chorus. And right about then, Richrath got up plugged in his Les Paul to the Marshall stack. And to this day, 
I, I, I will never, well, I will never know whether he was meaning to play along or just to drown me out. So I would stop playing (laughs) this incessant thing. But when he hit those power chords, if he was trying to drown me out, I don't know, but I, 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 I'll never forget the moment I stood up at the piano and looked at him and he was across the room with the guitar and our eyes met just like I'm looking at you now. And we both were like, this is what we've been working for for the for the past 10 years to find a way to take the, you know, my simple folk songs and turn them into rock songs. And and we've been trying to find that balance, kind of hit on it on, on Roll with the Changes you know, uh, time for me to fly on the tuna record kind of, but that was the moment where, and, 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 you know, and we get, we we got flack for like, yes, they, they went in to, to, and they tried to, to do whatever they could to get their record on, on the radio. And it's like, it was a freaking accident, you know, <laughs> the whole thing. As if that would have been a crime. God forbid a band needs airplay right. and wants airplay. But <laughs> I mean, uh, well, I want to, I want to let the audience ask you some questions yeah. if that's okay, because we Absolutely. got about 25 minutes left. Um, before we go to the calls, two quick things from me. You, uh, you mentioned, uh, I can't fight this feeling. The other huge power ballad in your, in your uh, catalog. Which was the, if I, my timeline's right, was the album after High Infidelity, right? Well, th- there was an album in between there. Uh, that it, it went High so Infidelity. So many records, I forget the, yeah, the line. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm but, sure. Yeah, it was, but, but the, the, the record that came after High Infidelity was, it was, um, I think, ill-conceived. It's like, I didn't want to do it. Which record was it? I'm it was called Good Trouble. Okay, right. And, and you know, the, the record company wanted a new album, because we, we always made a, an, a, an album a year. My, right? my question where I'm going with this, because okay, so, this may l- tie into your answer, is REO has this arc ab- uh, about eight, ten years uh, before High Infidelity hits. 81, right? Right. High Infidelity. Yeah. So, of course, you had huge pockets in the country where you did tremendously well, and you had Time for Me to Fly, and you had Roll with the Changes. You had you had songs that were known, and you did well. Mm-hmm. But High Infidelity takes things to a whole nother rec- level. That record is, uh, is it a diamond record? Is it yeah, 10 million plus? It is. That's it is. rarefied air, man. That's amazing. I wonder what the pressure and the mentality is now from the label and within the band and for you as a songwriter coming off of High Infidelity 10 million records, a song that's one of the biggest songs ever, Keep on Loving You amongst the others on there, and then all of a sudden you're faced with the follow-up. I mean, I imagine you never experienced like having to, the kind of a pressure, I would think, right? Like, what the hell? There was, How do we, what do we do? Yeah, there was nothing like it. And, and uh, you know, and I was also... Uh, uh, suffering from the delusion that, that uh, having a successful album... To, like high fidelity. I mean, you couldn't have gotten any bigger at that particular time. And, uh, and I thought that was going to solve all my problems. Uh, Every insecurity, every, you know, every, every issue that I, that I had growing up, you know, would, would miraculously disappear. Well, guess what? That's, that's folly, of course. And when it didn't happen, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. So I, so first, so I'm, first of all, I'm freaked out. Second of all, that, you know, a year that, that the 1982 comes along and here's the, here's Epic knocking on the door, give us another record. Here's, you know, our management, actually everyone else in the band you know, w- was ready to record, and so we they we booked studio time, and 
here I come. I walk into the to the, the to the band meeting before the first day in the studio, and I'm like, I don't want to do this. You know, I I I I'm like my songs aren't finished. Uh, you know, and so that that record, we we kind of cobbled that together. I, I I eventually you know acquiesced, and I was like, all right, I'll I'll give it all I got. But I wish we could wait a while and really let High Infidelity sink in a little bit you know right. let our, things breathe a little yeah, too yeah yeah see what life is like i you know we i i, I, I was saying to, to everyone like we're in a in an amazingly unique situation in coming off of high infidelity whatever we do next people are going to pay attention to no no matter what you know we, we got to get out of jail free card because of the huge success of high infidelity so let's take our time and really make this next record even better than high infidelity or certainly at least at the same level you know and 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 until we've got those songs that where we can follow up you know keep on loving you and take it on the run and the, and those type of songs well good trouble didn't have that level of songwriting and I'm the first one to admit it so after that we took a couple of years off and uh, uh to get ready for the wheels are turning record which had can't fight this feeling and uh so that was the that I consider that the follow up to high infidelity of the two big power ballads can't fight this feeling and keep on loving you which is the bigger song uh I think can't fight this feeling is, is that right cuz I I thought it I had heard it was and I was surprised by that, but then I saw you play it live recently, and it it almost is right there with "Keep on Loving You" as yeah. far as like one and one A as far as popularity statistically. Like now, so so much is gauged by streaming and all of that. Do you do you know statistically which one is bigger? I I you know I think it varies. I think I I think it's. Pretty, pretty good problem close. to have. Good problem to, to have, have two like that. Exactly. <laughs> no doubt. And and finally, before we go to calls to finish up, um, you you referenced um, Vegas residency, which lit me up because I have a second home there, and I, yeah, I love Vegas. I understand that. Tell me when that is because I don't know about it. Is that announced? Yeah, it. Uh, I believe so. Yes, it's. Uh, if not, we're announcing it now. We're announcing it now. <laughs> no, I think it's been. It's it's like uh, November. 13th 12th and 13th or 13th and 14th it's it's just a two-day you know, we're just kind of dipping our toes in the water and, okay and we're putting together a a whole new production i mean we're you know I, i'm really into it because it's it's just such a uh, an exciting concept for me just to create a whole different show to to you know to to play the whole high infidelity album even the songs that i don't like <laughs> <laughs> that's that's our working uh thing but but you know i just want to it gives us a chance to exceed expectations and really, you know, we're, it's going to be the high fidelity album. Then, then it's going to be an acoustic set where, where I'm going to, we're going to kind of recreate the, the meeting where Gary and I met and I play music man solo acoustic. Then we're going to do a, a unplugged rendition of in my dreams and then into a, to a hits uh, portion of the show. And, uh, and then the, the final encore is going to be from the first album, a song that we haven't played hardly at all since, since Gary left. Cause it was so, there's certain songs that are just so Gary to me that, it, that it's like, you know, as great as Dave is, it's like there's certain songs that I just never really felt comfortable doing, but mm -hmm. uh, 
But, you know, Dave's been in the band for 34 years yeah, now. He's, he's great. He, he's great. He's got it down. He's a good guy. Yeah. And, and he totally. knows he knows what, when it's when it's time for him to take off and do his thing. And he also knows when it's time to pay homage to, to the great, the late great Gary Richrap and he he does a, a really good job of it. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of treat the fans to a couple of songs in that third what we call Act Three that uh, you know from the early days some 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 Richrap action that 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 Dave is really digging into and uh, I think it's gonna be fun. What's the venue in Vegas? It's the Venetian. Venetian. Okay, yeah. so there's that. And in the immediate future, you guys have shows in a couple of days, right? Oh, you yeah. You start up again. I'm leaving tomorrow. Yeah, so <laughs> you're out there. Uh, and no matter, you know, obviously we're broadcasting nationally, so wherever you are, uh, just go to the, is it ariospeedwagon.com? Yeah, the, uh, ariospeedwagon.com. The, there's a Facebook page that, that I I post on, and, and uh, you know, anything that, that you read on, on the Facebook page, that's not someone else writing. I, I, I sing every note on stage i write every word uh, uh, anything You're that truly has truly engaged yes anything that says kc at the end of it that's that's me all right good to know so everybody goes where's the first show uh where are we going i think we're tomorrow we're going to billings montana okay so a beautiful place so go yeah. see reo if you're in montana but wherever you are go see him and i can attest to this having just seen the band play live as i mentioned earlier uh, a private show that you did in texas that i hosted and uh you guys rolled in with the full production it was great because it was most of the times bands come in there and it's scaled back because it's a private thing but you were starting a run so you had your full stage and your crew and your lights oh and yeah oh, it yeah. was the full show it was awesome it really was well thanks Eddie. Yeah, I appreciate that. Let's get a few uh, calls in before we wrap up here on this Monday for Kevin Cronin. People have been waiting for a long time uh, to talk to you. This is Jason in Missouri. Go ahead, Jason. Uh, Eddie, thank you for taking my call. Kevin, before I get to my question, I just want to tell you what an incredible honor this is to get to talk to you. I've loved Ario since <sighs> I was a kid. You always come across as one of the most humble and down-to-earth guys in rock and roll and my God, you talk about a canon of songs that have gotten me through so much crap during my life. So, again, I just wanted to thank you for, from the bottom of my heart, everything. Well, I appreciate that, Jason. And, you know, I think we, sh we should let Eddie's nationwide audience know that if you're from Missouri, you have no choice but to be an Ario Speedway fan. It's just, <laughs> which, you know, we had, we had St. Louis on one end of the state. To my question. Okay. So I'm I'm not I'm not from Kansas City. I'm from a small town about an hour, a little over an hour or so outside of Kansas City. My question was because I've seen it on YouTube, and I know that it was a home video release back in the day. Have you guys ever entertained the notion of re-releasing or reissuing the 1985 uh, Kemper Arena show from the Wheels Are Turning tour? Oh, you're right. We did record. Yeah, that was a DVD. Uh, I think it was before DVDs. It was like a video v disc. VHS. If, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what? That's 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 a good question. You know, we were recently we were we wanted to uh, add a, a song that that from from that album called Live Every Moment. It's a song we'd never played live, and I've always really liked the song. So we, uh, in order to remember the song that's what we that's what we uh pulled up that video from uh from kemper in 1985 and uh and i remember thinking oh that that rocked pretty hard you know it's tough because 
because because Gary and Alan aren't in the band anymore, and the, and those performances were so. I mean, that band just had a a, a special energy, and and as I said to Eddie earlier, no, no one would accuse us of uh, virtuosity, but but there was an energy and a vibe that we had that was uh, that was. Uh, it, it, it's it's hard to. It's, <clears throat> pardon me. Oh, my cough button. <laughs> it's hard to to to, uh, to, uh, to to recreate that part of it, but uh, but that's it's not a bad idea. It's probably ava- is it not available somewhere? I don't I don't I mean unless I mean I I I, I was only maybe like eight years old when that album and sure came out. So I but I mean it's not I mean the, the concert is on YouTube. That's that's where I've seen it, but. I was just wondering if you guys you want like a bells and whistles re-release with like yeah yeah no I get you maybe having it restored or remastered or whatever um Jason we got a ton of calls thank you for your call thanks Appreciate Jason it. um well yeah I'm sure maybe in time yeah you know, whoever owns it's, it whatever hey, it'll come out it's a good idea I I hear a lot of good ideas from your callers <laughs> <laughs> here's Sean in San Antonio maybe he's got another one for you Sean okay. you're on with Kevin Cronin hey Kevin how's it going it's an honor to talk good. to you good oh, hey, um, thank you Sean. For, First time I saw Aria was actually on your Greatest Hits tour, which was the last tour with Gary. I saw you in San Antonio, Texas, and you opened with, I do want to know. And I've seen the band like eight times since, and you never play that song. And it's so much of a jam song that I've, I'm surprised you guys don't always have that in your set. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't want to know. Yeah, that was a that that was kind of a cool tune. You know, there's it's it's so hard, Sean, because uh, you know, as Eddie and I were talking about earlier, there's people come to see us play live, and there's a certain there's a certain group of songs that we that we love to play, but we also need to play f- for the sake of getting out of town alive. So, yeah. uh, and then and then we have what what we call our audibles, and the audibles. Our, our songs that depending on where we are in the country, you know, certain songs did, did well, well locally at a certain place, whatever. Um, but that, you know, that would be a song that, uh, that I, I think would be fun to play actually. Uh, so that's, that's a great idea, Sean. Thank you. The problem is, and it's a good problem to have is you've got a ton of hits that you got to do, but you also have a vast catalog that the hardcore fans are going to want to hear, hear from just finding that balance. You can only play for so long in a band that's been around as long as REO, you got to pick your spots. Uh, here's Jim in Texas. Go ahead, Jim. Hey, Kevin. It's such an honor to talk to you. Um, gosh, um, where do I start? I've, I've been going to your concerts and seen you guys since early 80s. And um, in particular, and you can have reach back on this one if you remember, 1987, I saw you at an outdoor show uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. And it was at Billy Bob's in, on a parking lot, like a around a fountain. It was an outdoor thing. And you guys played for like two plus hours. It was in the summer. It was great. It was just a unbelievable concert and part of the concert uh bill was uh fabulous thunderbirds open and uh of course okay. jimmy vaughn is in the was in the band at the time and his brother stevie ray uh, of course not in the band but he's a texas guy and he was there with his brother jimmy kind of on the waiting in the wings and ran out on stage and he played the song and uh, jammed a little bit and uh believe he even played one more before you guys ended and i'm just curious uh it was just a few years before stevie ray died and uh, did you ever um, have a concert bill when you played with him just himself? And just kind of curious about that. 
dude, I remember that show and I was standing in, on the stage right wings because I, I was backstage and, and you know, the, the T-Birds had been open f- opening for us for, for the entire tour and I heard some guitar playing just from the dressing room and I, it, it caught my ear and I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like Jimmy. So, uh, you know, Jimmy's a great guitar player, but I walked out, uh, uh, like I say, stage right uh, wings where, where, where all my guitars are. And there's this guy, man, just, and it was Stevie Ray Vaughan, but I didn't know who he was yet. And he blew me away. I was like, I don't know who this kid is, but he is the real deal, man. He was, uh, he was something special. And, uh, I, I'm, I'll, I'll never forget that moment because I feel like, uh, you know, sadly Stevie Ray's not with us anymore. And, but, but I had, had that moment to experience him play live and the, you know, there's, there's nothing like a great guitarist standing there doing it. And when you can watch him sweat, you can watch how he, how he holds the guitar. You can watch his fingers, man, watch his left hand. That's, you know, that's, that's what it's all about for me. And Stevie just had a soulfulness about him. He just, he moved everything he did not unlike uh, Gary Richrath, just every movement that that a guy like that makes, and this, and then the sound that comes out of the guitar, it's just connected. And Stevie Ray was connected, man. He he was a soulful dude. Thank you, Jim, for the call. Time for a couple more quick ones, and we're going to wrap up. Uh, this is Andy in my home state of New Jersey. What's up, Andy? How you doing, guys? Uh, Kevin, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I just wanted to get your opinion on the record between High Infidelity and uh, the Tuna Fish. Uh, I'm one of my favorite albums, Nine Lives. I mean, uh, Only the Strong Survive. Um, Meet Me on the Mountain is one of my all-time favorite uh, Ario songs. I, I play in a cover band, and I love to sing that. If I'm in the shower or whatever, that's just a great song. I love to sing that one. And then, of course, Bruce Hall's song, Back on the Road Again. All great songs. Which you still That's do live. My favorite. I just want to get That's in the set all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you know that we were still Eddie and I were talking earlier about trying to find that balance between the kind of uh, you know Buffalo Springfieldy birdsy songs that that I wrote uh, and the and the power of the Ario Speedwagon rhythm section and, and Gary's guitar playing. Uh, in particular, and and we were searching for it, man. And it was almost like there was a, a, a each album the pendulum would swing, you know. And because uh, you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish, was probably our most melodic album. And then the pendulum swung over to Nine Lives, which was a lot more aggressive, a lot more rock oriented, a lot more guitar oriented. And then it swung back to the middle and that's kind of where high infidelities uh, landed. But, um, you know, nine lives was a, it was a rocking album. It, it, it literally broke us in Europe because, you know, European rock fans, they, they like the, just, I know this is a stereotypical statement. I know, but, but in general, the, the uh, European rock fans really reacted to nine lives. That was our first European tour and they, they were into it, man. They loved the aggression. They loved the, the guitar was out there in the mix. And, and uh, that, that was in one of my favorite songs on that album is the opening cut. It's called heavy on your love. And that was something that, that Gary and I co-wrote where, you know, I, I, I just heard this riff in my head, kind of 
sung it to Gary, tried to show him what I was hearing. Then, of course, he took took the guitar and made it into this this really fucking cool riff. And then and then I wrote the lyric and the melody on top of it. And we had never worked that way before. But uh, that that was maybe one of the best collaborations between Gary and I. Hey, real quick, because I'm going to be out of time in a couple minutes. You mentioned you got a project going with Kenny Aronoff. Can you mention that real quick? What is it? Well, it's a, it's a, it's this crazy thing. The uh, guy named Jim Ursay who owns the. I the, know Jim. You know well, Jim? Jim was just on this show. No way. Um, a month ago, <laughs> not even a month ago. Because I saw you play at his Vegas thing. I was there. I was at that. I think I saw you briefly. Right. And through that, I met Jim, and Jim came on a few weeks ago to promote the next one he did, which was in Boston like a week ago. Yeah, which I was he, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so and Kenny plays in that too. Kenny yeah. plays in that band. So you know, so the first time I, the first one I did was Vegas, and and you know, the joke was that I was auditioning for to to be in the band, and and I was like, you know, I, I hope I pass the audition, man. And then you know, when when the Boston thing came up, I'm like, all right, I guess I guess I'm in the band. So, f- f- story just a little anecdote the bass player is mike mills from from uh, rem who's just the sweetest like i love this guy and so we we you know the, I, I did five songs in in vegas as you saw billy gibbons came yep. up and did five kenny wayne shepherd kenny wayne shepherd on guitar vince gill came up anyway so mike so i get a a, a text from mike uh requesting that we uh, that we do can't fight this feeling in, in Boston, and of course, you know where my head goes. I'm like, oh, I got, I gotta. That means sixty seconds. Sixty we gotta be seconds. Done. So, so that's a, that, that's it. We did we did can't fight this feeling. But the thought, if if you would have said in 1985 that the guy from REM would request well, the, the guy in REO <laughs> to play can't fight this feeling, I thought it was pretty funny. Kevin, I can't thank you enough oh, for coming man. in. Always great to see you, buddy. Good to see you, Eddie. and uh, go see REO on tour. Still so killer. Go to REOSpeedwagon.com and in Vegas uh, in November, a couple shows yeah. at the Venetian. Hope to make one of those, and uh, you know. Continue kicking ass, man. It's great to have you doing it so well and real and live. Yes, indeed. We'll see you, Eddie. Well, thanks to Kevin. Always great to visit with him. Appreciate him coming into the studio when I was in L.A. and sitting in with us. Again, full video of that conversation is now on the SiriusXM app. If you are a subscriber, go check it out. Again, if you'd like to get a free trial to SiriusXM, you're not already on board with us. All you got to do is go to SiriusXM.com slash Eddie Trunk. Three free month trial, no credit card required, and sample the show and hear it live or on demand each and every day. Three to five Eastern, Trunk Nation, Faction Talk 103, or anytime on the app. Again, social media at Eddie Trunk, X or Twitter, Facebook page and Instagram. And every day on the radio, hope you join me if you're in the U.S. or Canada and get the full picture. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. Next Thursday, back with another new podcast. Take care.